to scooch this back. I need my water. Gotta be comfy. Okay. Hey guys, welcome. As I situate myself for a queen deep dive today. I've been ready to do this for about a week, actually. And I was trying to figure out why I wasn't jumping on it so quickly. And I think part of the reason is because, and I was going to say this until the end, but total transparency up front before we get into anything about this Queen song. I struggle with this one a little bit. And it's entirely down to not really the style of the song so much as it is our favorite frontman's performance. I cannot talk today. Apologies, but we're going to keep it real. So we just talked about the title track for Queen's 1986 album, their 12th, A Kind of Magic. We just talked about the song, and I've been hooked on it, and earlier today, I was just singing it again. I was getting ready after my little run. I've started running again after months. That's a whole nother story. But I had just finished running, and I was back inside, and I was winding down, and I was singing that song. And you know the funny thing is, just yesterday, and actually during my run, I was listening to Queen's debut album. And I was listening to Liar and The Night Comes Down, Modern Times Rock and Roll, Son and Daughter, et cetera, et cetera. And I've been so buried in Queen's 80s, very pop-influenced 80s sound that now when I go back to 70s Queen, especially their earlier, heavier sound, it's so much more powerful <laughs> being, after being away from it for a while. But that's the fun part. You come back to it and it sounds fresh and exciting. But today we are shifting gears. Of course, we talked about the very dynamic and explosive, encouraging one vision that kicked off album 12. And then we talked about the title track in my last dive. And I was so enthusiastic and excited about it. And today we are going into a ballad, this jazzy rock ballad written by Mr. John Deacon, but really, this kicks off the first of three songs in a row that are nearly or absolutely John Deacon-Freddie Mercury collabs. This used to be quite rare, these co-writes, but we're hearing it a lot more often these days in the 80s with John and Freddie. And this is One Year of Love, track three on A Kind of Magic, released in 1986, dive number 131, and this was recorded in late 85 at the Townhouse Studios, London. One Year of Love, nothing like the two tracks preceding it, and certainly, in a way, nothing we've heard before. This is Because of that, a bit of a breath of fresh air. We don't get anything like this from Queen, typically. We're actually missing a Queen, potentially two, here. That's also a very rare occurrence, but not with 
John and Freddie at the helm. We've had this kind of experience before, not on a kind of magic, but we're not totally alien to this. But this is a unique song. It's very slow. It's very soft. It sounds more like something you would hear, you know, a crooner singing or one of these really big diva voice ladies singing. And I applaud the approach here. We're back to showcasing that versatility of both John and Freddie, I think. But I struggle with this because, you know, the more I think about it, it has nothing to do with the style or the genre or the sound. I love it when Queen do something that is outside their typical sound, that sounds nothing like Queen. That if I didn't tell you this was Queen, except for a few of those notable vocal nuances, you might assume it was someone else. What I struggle with here is Freddie's performance. And before you throw things at me virtually and get angry, let me elaborate. Some moments from Freddie are just stunning in their sensitivity on this song. And I'll talk more about it as we get through it. But there are other moments where it feels just a little too much, a little too forced, a little too in your face for the sentiment we have. Because the lyrics, if they're John's, are really, really fantastic. They're tender. They're emotional. They're sensual. They're romantic. This is very romantic, this song. It's very transparent. It's very raw. The emotional expression here is not hiding behind anything. And this has some glorious moments, some gorgeous performance highs. But I think just here and there, Freddie overdoes it, dare I say it. And it takes me out of the song a little bit. I wanted to save this until the end and get through everything and then tell you, well, here's the truth about the song and how I feel about it. You guys know I don't dislike anything from Queen. And the truth is, when this is playing, I will sing along to it. I I will get into it. It is a really wonderful vocal. I just think there's some, there's a moment or two that doesn't need to be so aggressive. And perhaps this is Freddie doing Freddie. Maybe this is just the way he wanted to do it. And we can't really fault him for that. But as far as my opinion of that performance, even though it's done immaculately, it sounds wonderful. You can't fault him for any flaws in the performance. It's just my honest opinion about it, I suppose. So there you have it. Not my absolute favorite moment from Freddie vocally here. But that being said, there are... There's a time or two here that I'm in love with what he's doing. So that's why I have a little bit of a struggle with this song. And actually, it was a single. It was a single in France in September of 86, Spain in the Philippines, and it was a promo single in the U.S. And it charted in France at number 56. How about that? We're at 111 beats per minute. We're in a 3-4 shuffle. It's wonderful. This little bit of a, what is it, ternary meter, this waltz feel. Yeah, you kind of 
sway, get into this. That's what makes it so romantic. What is it about a waltz? It just, I was just watching Twins again for the millionth time. And Danny DeVito, you waltz. When you really want to romance a woman, you waltz or it turns them into putty in your hands. I've actually never experienced that myself, but there is something about a waltz when you hear it, even if it's just an instrumental, it's sentimental. I don't know. I don't know why we attribute that time signature to something a little bit more soft and swooning. We're in the key of D major, which I believe we were in with one vision. Yes, indeed. So One Vision was also in D major. That's a nice echo, actually. We have One Vision in D major, a kind of magic in A major, which is a fifth away from D major, and then we're back to D major again in One Year of Love. So this continuity is very satisfying to me in a strange way. I don't know. And what are we singing about? What is One Year of Love? It's actually quite sad, a bit tragic. But it's better to have loved and lost. You guys know the rest. Is that really true? How do you feel about that? Many of you probably having been through a relationship or two and lost. Even if you're the one to walk away, it's always sad to close that door. I've been through, I've been on both sides in the past in my life. And it's, it's never easier when you're the one that has to has to make that decision. It's hard, especially if you've been with someone for a while. It's a big part of your life. You got to move on. And this is written, inspired by, of course, the film Highlander and our title character. I don't want to give too much away if you haven't seen it. Funnily enough, Highlander is literally on TV right now as I do this episode. <laughs> it just started. But I've already seen it, so I know all I need to know to talk about this in context. But our main character goes through it, to say the least, and he doesn't know if he can bring himself to open up to a woman again. But here we are, one year of love. He's giving in. He's giving, he's giving himself the moment to lose himself in it, I suppose. And this is... Really beautifully done, when, especially when you look at the instrumental of this song. Even if there are moments from Freddie that I'm questioning the construction of this song, the structure of it, the way it's written, the way it moves and flows is really well done. A stunningly aching ballad. And you'd never know. It was Queen. If it weren't for Freddie's vocals, or at least some of those vocals, those trademark expressions, and perhaps that's the magic of Queen, in full, vibrant reality. They really can do every genre ever, especially with a soulfully smitten John Deacon. He loves his soul. He loves his Motown. He loves this kind of music. A little bit jazzier here, a little bit... It does bring to mind Who Needs You, even though that has a little bit more sort of Caribbean flair. This, the tone is still John. His emotional expression is tender, it's longing, heartfelt, brought to life by Freddie's intense delivery. Let's put it that way. Most instruments are played by John, including bass, of course, keyboards, and perhaps 
drums, if programmed, I was not able to find a definitive answer about the drums in this song. But if it's true, then both Brian and Roger sit this one out, making it a legitimate Freddie John collab, a perfectly romantic saxophone solo. That's a first and very sweeping strings. Real strings enhance the drama, longing, gives weight and affection to this familiar genre. John's touch is all over this. His affinity for soulful sounds, so obvious. But Freddie's vocal expression steals the spotlight when it's there, tender, passionate against the softened arrangement made entirely of diatonic chords. And I've used that word here and there. What does that mean? In other words, no accidentals, nothing out of the ordinary, no changes in a pitch, nothing out of a semitone. Everything is in the scale. Everything is in D major scale in this song, which creates a wonderful cohesiveness and a feeling of floating. We're not getting pulled to and fro emotionally. We're right in this and we stay locked in this emotion and this feeling throughout the song. Verses and sweet bridges take us in and out of this lullaby. And it keeps that sentiment all the way through. And between Freddie and John, they create a surprisingly affecting confession syrupy and swooning, delicate, surprising descriptors never typically used for such a hard-rocking band, I know. Versatility on full display. Reminds me of Cool Cat as well, for obvious reasons. What a brilliant number, Cool Cat. I loved it. It had a little resurgence there, Cool Cat. People were talking about it and listening to it. This was never played live. And I get it. Why would it? it? It doesn't involve potentially two queens. It's very slow. It has a very dynamic, broad range of vocals from our front man that would be difficult to replicate on stage. We've talked about how the ferocity of queen on a stage means the guys are usually full throttle all the way through. There are very few moments where they pull it back enough to have a breather of sorts. And when you've been doing that for an hour or more, or even half an hour, it's very difficult to shift into a gear that's much softer. It's difficult to maintain the control. It's difficult to, I suppose, reel yourself in. So it would make sense, and also this wasn't, this was a single in a few countries' territories, but it wasn't any kind of a banger. It wasn't any kind of a loud statement of a song. This was more reserved, beautifully done, but still not anything the guys would potentially consider to put on a set list. At this point in their career, they have far too many other previous hits and great songs anyway that they would definitely want to throw on a set list. So I get it. However, there's a small part of me that wishes we had heard something live, perhaps a different arrangement. Look at what they did with Love of My Life. Wouldn't it have been fun if John had played guitar on stage? Not bass guitar, but just acoustic guitar or something. We know he did that on occasion. That would have been great to see him play something like that on the stage and Freddie would sing along. 
but they only would have had one tour to attempt that anyway since 86, the Magic Tour, was their last with Freddie. Fun facts about One Year of Love, their third song in Highlander and also appears later in the film in a delicate piano arrangement, though no official release of this version exists. And there's no Brian here, yep. May come as a surprise. We've had this happen before. It's very rare, but it does happen. The saxophone solo essentially replaced a guitar solo, and it's a varied arrangement from film to album. If you listen to it in the film, not quite the same thing you're hearing as what they recorded in the studio for A Kind of Magic. Only a bass drum, snare, and closed hi-hat with some echoes of tambourine are present on the percussion side. And it would be easy to assume this is Roger, but again, very possible it could be someone else like John who programmed these drums. Steve Gregory, session saxophonist, also played the memorable melody in Careless Whisper. I'm never gonna dance again. Mm -hmm. Ooh, can you believe? That was the same guy. And when you listen to the expression on that saxophone, no mistaken, same guy, Steve Gregory. Thank you, Steve. This is a beautiful saxophone solo. I I feel like there were so many songs in the 80s, especially the second half of the 80s, where everybody threw a saxophone in there. And when you hear it now, it sounds like this antiquated throwback. It's kind of fun. I remember when Lady Gaga threw it into the edge of glory. I just listened to that the other day and it made me think about this and it made me think about saxophones in general and whatever happened to their dominance in a great ballad. They just kind of dropped off the map there. I think there needs to be a resurgence for saxophonists. Linton Nafe conducted the strings, though John plays a Yamaha DX7 emulating a string sound through portions of the song. He also played another keyboard, which sounds a lot like an electric piano. An extended version exists of One Year of Love, released on a bonus CD as part of a DVD Highlander set, and an earlier demo cut with a different sax arrangement with no live strings and a guitar solo, probably played by John. It's got a nice shift in chords, but it doesn't really fit. The arrangement is different, feels more forced, Freddie's vocals sound the same. There's a heavier snare included. That I like. At least I think it sounds heavier. Great ambience. Beautiful reverb. Just a different touch to that demo version. I do have a little bit of band critique, but I believe this is only from Brian and John. I'm glad we have something from our composer. But Brian, in 1990, said, quote, There's a song called One Year of Love, which John wrote, and that was written around a different romantic interest. It's about the Highlander as he is in the 20th century when he's just about to fall in love again, even though he said he wouldn't. That's a romantic song too, unquote. And John, during the magic interviews in 86, video interviews, quote, I ended up writing another slow ballad in 6-8, And that is eventually when he decides to have another relationship with a woman again, because he vowed he never would. It hurt him so much the first time. 
unquote. And this is where John really captures, I think, the longing, but also the fear. That's why Freddie's vocals have such a moment in some of these phrases. They're so beautifully done. Gotta say. Now, Rolling Stone, well, you can probably guess what they thought. Quote, Freddie's weird, piercing tenor is almost moving when wrapped around a melodic May guitar spurt on One Year of Love, but most of the time he's histrionically going through the motions, unquote. First, let's address that mention of melodic May guitar spurt. Brian wasn't even here. Not that they would know that, but no Brian here. So that's the first mistake. Then they go in and mention most of the time, Freddie sounds histrionically going through the motions as though he's imitating, as though he's emulating something, but he's not really being genuine. I would actually argue, and I was thinking about that just today before I decided to do this, that Freddie's overtly expressed words and vocal melismas and expressions here are because he's putting himself out there. I don't think he's going through the motions. I think he is being Freddie, the Freddie Mercury we know, to be over the top, expressive, completely honest and genuine in his performance. Whether you love it or hate it, I think he's just doing him and not imitating someone else. Though I do think, and maybe this was a discussion, Freddie and John had about the expression of the song. I do think Freddie sounds a lot like some of those crooning, very loud, big voiced ballad singers, especially from that time, especially from the 80s going into the 90s. There were a lot of really big ballads and they were sung by both men and women. And I think Freddie was trying to capture that vibe, that kind of ballad, you know, for some reason, the song that comes to mind, the moment I say this and think about this is, whenever I'm in your arms again, this time I'll love you forever. Something like that. But you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of, it's very sentimental. It's kind of sappy. It's kind of cliche. It's, It's one of those things that a very independent person is going to turn their nose up at it and say, that's just ridiculous. Who believes in that? I used to be that girl. I used to be a little bit like that. I used to to put up a little bit of a front and tell myself, because I, I think I honestly believed it wasn't even a front. I think I honestly believed I didn't care about the romantic stuff. It was cheesy. It was ridiculous. The truth is I care. Maybe I couldn't admit it to myself, but I care. And I think a really good love song like that is a great song. And I think that's at least partially what Freddie and John were going for here. This is a different kind of song. It goes with the emotion of the film. And they reworked it a little bit and put it on a kind of magic. Now, Ultimate Classic Rock ranked this number six on their list of top Deacon songs, claiming, quote, He bears his emotions here in ways his bandmates, especially Freddie Mercury, rarely dared. And they called this a heartfelt ballad 
with the rare saxophone appearance and lush string arrangement that heightens the song's romantic message. I agree with all of that, though I don't think, I don't think their statement that John bears his emotions here in ways other bandmates, especially Freddie, really dare to. I don't think they've heard you take my breath away <laughs> or life is real song for Lennon where Freddie really bears everything and gives us so much of who he really is. That's very heartfelt and somewhat lost and lonely sometimes. I don't think they're familiar with that Freddie Mercury. Sounds to me like they're a little bit stuck on don't stop me now. The very strong commanding voice of Freddie, that tongue in cheek, little bit camp sometimes, but we love it. So rock and roll. I think that's the Freddie they're summarizing in their mind when they put that statement together. Because Freddie certainly has bared a lot. They all have had moments like that. In fact, the more I think about that statement, even though they're praising John, the more I think it's incorrect because Brian has given us so much heartfelt tenderness and loss. Look at Sail Away, Sweet Sister. Don't even get me started about White Queen as it began. And Roger has had some tender moments too, though a little bit fewer and further between, but Drowse may not be a romantic song, but it's certainly a reflective song that I absolutely adore. So every single one of them has had a moment where they've bared their emotions, their thoughts. They've put it out there. And this song, even if it is just John and Freddie, no exception. I don't want to downplay John's expression though. There is a tenderness and a lightness and a sweetness. I think what John does do differently compared to all of them, he's a little bit more delicate about it in some ways. I Want to Break Free is also his. And that's not very cloaked behind any kind of... <laughs> that's pretty straightforward. I Want to Break Free. And we can still speculate as to what exactly he was thinking about when that song was written. But One Year of Love is, it bears everything, but there's a hesitance here. It's very entrancing. It's beautifully done. Swelling string crescendo, moving in dissonance. And these are those played keyboard strings. And this is a sixth chord lingering briefly on the fifth before resolving. A dreamy intro that's far too short, but lovely and extremely effective. And then, less than five seconds in. Just one year of love is better than a lifetime alone. Freddie's dynamics are controlled, longing, insistent. This is what I'm talking about that is so wonderful. It's almost like there's some restraint here, that kind of hesitancy. That's what I'm talking about. And I don't know if this was all Freddie simply putting himself into this or if he and John worked through this to come up with this expression. But whoever's idea this was, whoever went here this way, beautifully done, just gorgeous. Instruments, perhaps all John, simple. Drums, quiet. 
based on the root of each chord, which is very uncommon for John and quite surprising in his own song. But again, this is not meant to be flashy. This is one of those songs that is pretty straightforward in its structure, in its chord progressions. It's about the words more than anything else. Muted, warm synth strings carry us through this and an electronic piano keyboard, almost like a music box. This is very much a hallmark of ballads at that time, actually. You got that. Very common to hear that kind of music box sound in these ballads. D, F sharp, B minor, G, E minor, A. These chords all fit within the key. Remember, all diatonic, lulling us into this trance, into Freddie's luscious vocals. He sounds soft and tender one moment, and then he falls into that kind of grittier and aggressive the next, almost overwhelmingly so. Yes, we hear his intentions. The brooding, big-sounding diva performances influenced him here, and his attempt to capture that same expression and atmosphere mostly succeeds, mostly succeeds. Occasionally, I'm pulled out of it. But the soft, magical warmth of those instrument sparkles restores the loveliness, the warmth and the cuddliness of this. The bridge chords shift, changing on the first and third measure, B minor to F sharp minor seventh. And Freddie goes into this very strong, very high range. It's always a rainy day without you. I'm a prisoner of love inside you. I'm falling apart. I do love these words. Always a rainy day without you. I'm a prisoner of love inside you. It's so over the top, but we've felt this. We are not unfamiliar with this as human beings. Honest, heartfelt, impactful, but Freddie's sharp glissando on that second phrase, it does distract me when he goes up, when he does love. It feels unneeded. These are moments I wish he sang it straighter, less animated. His natural softer tone works wonders in many moments throughout this song. Two sets of G to A take us out of the bridge, the second adding a seventh to the G, and I love it. And I love that phrase, wonderful phrase. I could sing it again and again. I'm falling apart all around you, yeah. Seriously, who wouldn't want to hear this at some point in their life? The accented, Echoed percussion shines, and then another verse. My heart cries out to your heart. This, this. Freddie's voice right here. It's perfectly emphasized in its phrasing. Stunning job. We believe him. He's got such conviction. Gotta give him props, despite those occasionally overdone slides and that flowery melisma. It's really not needed in moments. These Gorgeous moments showcase just how good a vocalist he was. And then the tone shifts again. My lips search for your lips. I'm hungry for your touch. Unique phrasing in the vocals compared to the earlier bridge. And again, I find myself wanting to pull back on Freddie's reins a little bit. But then this. There's so much left unspoken. 
that falsetto, what a treat. And it's simple, but I keep listening to John's warm instrumentals in the back. Beautifully composed. And all I can do is surrender to the moment. Saxophone, ooh, there it is. It's hot. Seriously, everyone used (laughs) to joke saxophones were everywhere in the 80s, even the early 90s. And the word baby, the word baby was in everything. But Steve, my man, elevates this perfectly. Controlled, gorgeous phrasing. And Freddie arrives again for another bridge, and he starts out more aggressive once again. Yeah, no one ever told me that love would hurt so much. Truer words, they hit hard. And he's not done with the emphasis. Ooh, yes, it does. And I love that. Ooh, yes, it does. At the back, sprinkled expansion in those harmonies. Very rich, stunning. And pain is so close to pleasure. Shades of a following song, of course. Freddie's delivery is dramatic, more aggressive here, but I welcome that expression in this moment. It fits. And the orchestra appears, weighing the chords in urgency. And all I can do is surrender. I love those shifts in the notes. We get sweeping, rounded, ooze in gentle thirds, a sparkle of percussion, sexy sax. Ooh, just surrender to your love. That might be the most beautiful moment in this whole song. The harmonies surrounding it, a heavier snare crashes every other measure. As Freddie repeats the first verse, the bridge again, but this time, the strings, the sax, they follow us. And Freddie's delivery is absolutely wonderful in this last set. He has more moments of clearer, piercing wide open vowels and crystal character. I'm a prisoner of love inside you. I'm falling apart all around you. That little delay, the hesitation in that vocal production. And all I can do is surrender. The way he gets into that last word, surrender. There's a little bit of a break in there. His vocals double in stereo on that last word. And that magical saxophone run. The strings arrive, soaring in the last phrase, shuffling up the scale, sounding more like Christopher Cross than Queen. Really, it reminds me of sailing, this section at the end. Pristine, it's relaxing as the strings flutter and trills. The percussion drops and the chords sigh and settle, fading out. A surprisingly gentle and sweet peace from our favorite bassist and our favorite frontman. This really is a pretty song. I think that's the best way to describe it. It's just pretty and definitely deserves a listen or two or many. The more I listen to it, the more I fall in love with it. I was very hard on this song at first. Like I said, I did not hate this. I didn't even dislike it. I just had trouble latching onto this. But there are so many moments here where Freddie is doing it perfectly. And to be honest, even when he is singing in a way that I feel is a bit too aggressive, he's still nailing the notes. There's no flaw in his delivery. It's pristine. It's perfect. 
You want a little bit of grit, vocal grit in a ballad? Well, it is right here for you, direct from John and Freddie. And honestly, I almost hope it's just the two of them. Something about the two of them working together has a charm that I think only the two of them, when they collaborate like this, bring to the table. It sounds like I'm saying Roger and Brian destroy things with rock when they come in. That's not it at all. But there is a unique expression from John and Freddie that is a standout in Queen's catalog. And just like Cool Cat before it, a very surprising song that we only have the album version of. And of course, there's flickers of it in the film Highlander, but it's very difficult to hear Several movements of it in the film, if you will. But the album version of the song, The One and Only, is quite relaxing and, as I said, pretty. When I think back to the things we talked about before, Queen and the prog rock and the heavy stuff, hard to believe I'm using that word pretty. But then again, we have had Lily of the Valley. Dear friends, we've had some reserved moments all the way back before we hit the mid-70s even, or approaching the mid-70s. We had some moments like that. We just get more of them now because John has stepped forward more as a writer or a co-writer with others in the band, and he definitely brought that soul and that pop inflection, something a little bit more R&B influenced, perhaps, to the mix, and it's a welcome addition. All right, guys, one year of love. How do you feel about this song? I never, ever see people talking about this song. It's not even one of those that's ever rarely mentioned. I, I very seldom see anyone on the Queen subreddit or Anybody anywhere say anything about One Year of Love. In fact, that article that mentioned this as one of John's great songs, it's kind of surprising to find it there. But it's refreshing because, again, not at all something you would expect from Queen. That's the cool thing about it. You know, come to think of it. If Roger and Brian had had a hand in this, I wonder what would have been different. I wonder what they would have done. If it's not Roger on the drums, because again, I'm kind of assuming that's the case. If it wasn't Roger on the drums, but he had in fact been the one to do them, if they're programmed, would they have been live? Would there have been a slightly different arrangement? Would there have been more embellishment? Although Roger is very good at knowing when he needs to soften the tone. And Brian, a little bit more guitar, perhaps? In my brain, in my imagination, I can hear that. I can hear a little bit of guitar alongside that saxophone. We wouldn't have to completely eliminate the sax, just add it alongside. All right, guys, keep yourselves alive. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And I'll be back next time. I have very little prepped for the next dive, I think, but... It is going to be another little spin, a little jaunt down Freddie and John Lane. And this is another surprising style coming from the boys. We get a lot of those on this album, the more I think about it. All right, guys. I'll be back next time.